Hey everyone and welcome to Splatsploitation, my podcast where I talk about extreme horror books, splatterpunk, indie underground horror, all the nasty gory stuff. And on this show at the moment I'm inviting other authors from the genre along to have a conversation with them about their own work. And joining me this week I have Judith Sunnett. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, uh, yes, nice getting to chat to you again. We spoke before on the podcast about someone else's work, but get to yeah, it's been today. a while now. Now we get to talk about my stuff. Yeah, Richard Lehman can step aside for a second. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's he's had the spotlight long. Enough. Yeah, he's had enough attention. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. What I like to do just um, for my own kind of curiosity more than anything when I start is just ask when you first published, uh, like what your first piece of published work was. Um, my, my first book, I want to say it was around 2019. Um, and it was, it was called We Have Summoned and it was published by a small indie group. Um, and then it took me another year before the next book came out and that was through the same indie group. And then around like late 2021, I said, oh, I could just do this myself. And I started, uh, <laughs> self-publishing. Is that why there was a bit of a gap? Just yeah, I just I just kind of always thought I had to have someone behind me, and then I I sort of figured out, oh, I could just do it myself. Nice, but um, you know, now now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I want someone behind me again. So I started with publishers, but yeah. Uh, so what was it like? The wait time that kind of mostly done it, or were you kind of like, no, I need more control of this. I need to be kind of choosing when I want to put stuff out and how I want to it, do it. It was a mix of both. Um, the wait time definitely had a hand in it. Like they, they did a really good job with, with my books, that group. I don't think they're around anymore, but I, I was happy with them. You know, they paid me on time. There was no like disputes mm. or drama <clears throat> or anything like that. But like, I, I really just had spent so long wanting to write. And now that I was writing, I was putting a bunch of stuff out and then having to wait and see what would happen next and be on someone else's schedule instead of my own. And doing self-publishing gave me the freedom to kind of just put everything out there and see what stuck. Were you writing the whole time in between or were you kind of waiting between projects? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I had written the first draft of low blasphemy, uh, torture, the sinners, um beast of burden and mm -hmm. summer never ends during that time between when uh we have summoned and cabin possessions were both published wow so we're itching and, to go <laughs> yeah beast of burden it's that one's been written over and over again like three or four times and i think it was the fourth time when, it was, when i was finally like okay now this is ready <laughs> Is that why you've been um, kind of pushing that one extra hard? Because it's been yeah, I've worked so on it a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's also just like my favorite story that I've told. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? What sticks out about that one as opposed to the others? Uh, well, it's it's a lot different from the others because it's more of a more of a character piece, more slow burn. Like the gore isn't really until the last act, and then I feel like it's it's very impactful because of that mm. but i just i i grew up loving uh loving black metal and <laughs> i grew up around a lot of people who had aspirations to be musicians and have bands that would take off yeah. and unfortunately i also grew up around a lot of people whose bands didn't take off and there there was a lot of truth in that like 
you know, young men with ambition who aren't going anywhere. And I, I just kind of found that interesting to write about and really fascinating yeah. to, to put out yeah, there. Yeah, I do, I do um, not so much now, but before lockdown, before the pandemic, I've done a lot of gig photography and like local stuff, only like smaller but local bands and the amount of bands that kind of fell apart during that COVID period, like just yeah. couldn't keep it going and stuff. It's, it's insane. Like it's kind of fascinating, but at the same time, you're like, man, like, they were like all these bands that had so much momentum and then just that was that yeah and i mean even say. before COVID, it was like graduation would show up and break the band's yeah heart. people would go to different parts of the country yeah. yeah you know going going to different colleges you lose track of your friends when that happens and there there are people who i cared about so much when i was in high school that i just don't even know what they're doing anymore um, yeah. I think everybody goes through that and that's why why beast of burden is such an interesting book for me and why i'm really proud of it nice yeah it's one of the ones i haven't read of yours yet um but yeah it's been on my tpr for a while like, i will get around i to think that you'd part. like it <laughs> I, I think i will no i yeah. think i like it it's one of those ones i keep looking at and then i end up just reading something else just beforehand and I'm like, oh, i'll get back to that eventually yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that's I'm that way with so many books. I've got a little pile that I'm like, oh, that's my TBR pile. And then I keep yeah. going to my bookshelves and picking other books. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just I get around to them eventually, though. Yeah. I've had a couple where people have sent me their books and then I've ended up buying a copy like seven, eight months later because I completely forgot they sent it to me. <laughs> but I prefer it that way. They get some money for it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I guess kind of, uh, got to ask a little bit as well about, uh, no one rides for free. Um, like when you wrote that, did you know, like it was going to be sort of the book that really kind of pushed everything forward? I, I thought it would be the opposite. <laughs> I, I yeah. really wrote that book mostly as a fun experiment to see if I could do something in 10 days, mm. um, giving myself such a short deadline on it. And also, like, I thought, oh, this is so over the top and obscene and <laughs> bizarre. And it's got, a, like, you know, a lead character that freezes in every single situation, which I know frustrates people. And yeah. I was like, yeah, this won't be popular. This will be fine in my little circle. And that's where it's going to stay. Yeah. So it was like, so then it, yeah, now it has like over a thousand reviews on fucking Amazon. <laughs> And I could read, and I'm like, where did all of you come from? <laughs> wow, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. I'm happy about it. It it got me to quit my job and move to Utah. Um, but I I really did not think that would be the book that did it for me. Well, I'm always kind of fascinated by the books that do kind of because it just never seems planned. I mean, I guess you can't plan it, but no, it's, you can't. It's never like anyone thought, like, yeah, this is this is it. I've nailed it. This is the one. Like. Well, yeah, that's what makes like Beast of Burden is a much more mainstream book. And it's, I think it would appeal to people outside of the extreme horror and splatterpunk genre. Mm. But like it, it hasn't reached that audience yet. <laughs> it's yeah. like all, all the people who don't like extreme horror and splatterpunk end up reading No One Rides for Free. And I'm like, I've, <laughs> I've got other books, guys. <laughs> Do you think it's hard to market that low? Like, this is something I've been thinking about myself over the last week because those books that aren't as extreme when your name kind of signifies extreme now. 
Oh, it's it's definitely hard to market it, but there's there's kind of more of a challenge to it, which I really enjoy. Um, like I, you know, I don't feel bad that Beast of Burden hasn't taken off the way Low Blast, uh, the way uh, No One Rides for Free has. Um, it just gives me more of an opportunity to talk about it to people and to encourage them to read it. Um, which, yeah, when people do read it, it feels more special to me because then they spent time with it. They really understood like what I was trying to do with it and know that it's something different. Um, mm. And I love I love authors who can do a variety. Um, and I want to be that sort of author. So even though I love Splatterpunk and I will always come back to it, it's always my home and it's always where my heart is. Every now and then, I'm going to try and throw you a curveball and do something. <laughs> do you ever consider kind of doing the other genres under a different name, or are you kind of happy just your name vary in different genres now? Well, uh, I made the mistake of publishing an erotic book under the Judith Sonnet name, and that was that was early on. Um, Greta's <laughs> Fruit Cup is what it was called, which Lucas Mangum calls Greta's Fuck Up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that came out under the Judith Sonnet name and the first week it was out, I got so many messages from people going like, so when does it get gory? <laughs> and oh, really? <laughs> it did not. <laughs> after that first week, when word kind of spread of what it was, it really dropped off. It became my lowest seller. So it's out of the print now. I think I'll bring it back under a different name. Um, I yeah. think just having the Judith Sonnet name associated to it, people expected horror and they didn't get it. <laughs> No, right. yeah. So that's what worries me. Like, if I try to, I've got ideas that are a little more mainstream, but I'd be like, you know, people expect a certain thing now, right? Like, once you've kind of done the extreme stuff, like yeah. <laughs> they're like sixty, seventy pages in, and you haven't chopped someone's head off yet, it's like, what's going on? Like, yeah. But at the same um... time, I don't want to, <clears throat> don't want to balance another name like that. Just seems extra work. Yeah, and it's like you have to create a whole new persona to go yeah. with that. It's like I I haven't done it yet. Um, at some point I might because I want to write more crime books as well as horror. Um, mm. But you know, I I'm happy again. I love splatterpunk. It's my favorite thing. Um, I'm always going to come back to it and write it. But I'm also happy they do have an audience that will go along with me when I'm like, hey, we're going to do something a little different here. Um, like it's super like cool. A, I, I was worried um, about my new anthology, Gasps, which is mm. all quiet horror, nothing extreme or splatterpunk. And there's been a lot of hype around it, which really makes me happy because I was worried I'd make the, the submission call and nobody would come and give me stories. But my my email inbox is already full. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so excited day, right? to read all these stories and see what people people brought to the quiet horror genre yeah i mean as of recording this we're recording it on the 20th like this is the first day right like this first day you've yeah to yeah and i've i've already got like seven people who have sent me their stories <laughs> i've only been open for like what time is it i've only been open for about 10 hours for submissions <laughs> in that case i'm glad i got an invite because i want to be competing yeah with oh those. i'm super <laughs> excited to read what you write for it man <laughs> yeah it's been interesting i'm only I don't know, eight, nine hundred words in, but yeah, yeah, trying to be a bit more atmospheric and tell the story is definitely a bit different. I mean, I kind of went that way a little bit with Addicted to Vengeance, but still had the goal. Yeah. So it's just trying to take out 
that little bit, but keep the stuff that I have been slowly adding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge even for me because I mean, we, we were both splatter punks. It's our formula. It's what we work with. It's, it's a mm -hmm. fun challenge to do something totally different and still in the same genre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it'd be interesting how it comes out. I think it'll be all right. Yeah. I'm quietly confident, but at the same time, <laughs> well, until, I get, until I get that first draft out, like finished, I'll be like, yeah, okay, right. Then I'll have to slowly add the horror without adding my normal horror. <laughs> Which, yeah, I haven't announced who all got invited to it yet, but it's yeah. you've seen the list. You know, some of these names are so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. I'm yeah really really excited for people to see who who's going to be in it as the um how far along is the other anthology now has that got a release date uh it's going to come out um first week of february um okay, we have cool. it danielle's doing one last checkup for typos and it's going to be formatted then we're ready um cool. and it's i'm so fucking excited about scraps <laughs> this has been a long time coming and I've learned so much about how to run anthologies just by working on this. But yeah, between like when I started, it was uh, like a few days after was when I ended up in the hospital. Hmm. And then shortly after that, one of my books got banned on Amazon. So it was always kind of like, oh, it's coming out next month. And then something would happen. Yeah. And be like, oh, we got to push it a little further. <laughs> and what, made you, um, what made you start with an anthology? Like, was this something you've always wanted to do or did you just kind of have enough connections where you're like, oh, I could do something here? Like They're kind of spite and frustration. <laughs> <laughs> always a good motivator. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to admit it. I, I hate that every single anthology that comes out nowadays has to have a theme mm. um, because I feel like that theme sort of corrals authors into all just writing the same story. And I was invited to an anthology and they said, yeah, we have this theme, but you can do whatever you want with it. You can go as far as you want and make it as unique as possible and totally you. Yeah. And I gave them a story that I thought met all that criteria. And they were like, well, it's a little too unique and it's going to stand out from what everybody else is doing. Can you write us another one? <laughs> can you write us a story that doesn't stand out? Like, yeah. Oh, and I was oh like, that frustrated me. And I was like, oh my God, like you wanted something unique. I gave you something unique and no, no bad blood. They're doing what they wanted to do with their anthology. I'm not going to tell them, you know, how to run it, but I was just like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so frustrated of getting invited to all these anthologies and feeling like I'm being corralled to write the exact same story that everybody else is writing. So yeah. with scraps, I wanted to do something where every single story was different. It was like an old school splatterpunk anthology where everybody was just bringing their a game. And the only requirement was that it fit in that genre. Um, nice. So Has it worked out that way. Of all the stories, it did. Varied. Every story is unique. Cool. They, I, I tell them all the time. I have a group, so you know, I, I start group yeah. chats for the anthologies when I do them, and I tell them all the time, like just how proud I am of, <laughs> of their work and how like excited I am to be putting these stories out and have my name attached to them. Like everybody brought something different to it. Ruth Ann Evans is going to make you cry. Otis Bateman's <laughs> going to make you laugh. Uh, R.E. Shambrock just wrote the most disgusting fucking porno I think I've ever read. <laughs> um, 
The fact that Otis's isn't a disgusting porno one makes me freak. What the hell is that guy written? Oh my god. Well, <laughs> Otis's is also a disgusting porno. Because <laughs> I've read There's... that one, but I haven't read um, Shamrock's one. So. Yeah, Shamrock's is just fucking shameless. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's unique because there's there's gross out stories and then there's really old school like plot based stories and everybody mm. brings something something unique to the table so i'm i'm really happy with scraps i can't wait for that to come out cool and not too long then when did you say it was february uh the first, first week, week of february. february i'm hoping february 1st cool yeah this should come out a week today so 27th so yeah only a few more days so hey go, go buy scraps, scraps. <laughs> yeah. will it be up for pre-order by then I can't really do pre-order because Amazon banned one of my books. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I would have put it up for pre-order a long time ago. But yeah, I can't. I can't put anything up through pre-order until mm-hmm. next year. <laughs> I never make any money off pre-order anyway, so that would affect me. But that's got to be. I, you know, I actually did. What <laughs> yeah. really stings because I have like seventy pre-orders for fetal backwash, wow. and then mm-hmm. Amazon banned it like five days before it came out yeah. um so <laughs> i'm thankful for godless they put it out um yeah i hope all since, of those pre-orders went that direction since this is coming out a little bit before scraps comes out i'll go ahead and tell you uh fetal backwash is in scraps oh, okay cool yeah i nice. put it in there that's my sneaky way of giving it back yeah, I think we discussed that, right? I'm pretty sure we discussed that on Messenger. I think, that you yeah, you and I talked about it. You were kind of thinking I was, of putting it into like, a short story or somewhere. Yeah, um, I, I left it as the whole thing. Cool. So nice. yeah. It's it's all like 130 pages of it is in scraps. Oh, nice. Okay. It's yeah. a nice beefy <laughs> book now. <laughs> right. Oh, no, the book is like about 400 fucking pages. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. I'm so excited. <laughs> Good, good. And um, yeah, you. Um, what else have you got kind of coming out at the moment? What have you been working on of late? Um, so I did a, a sequel to Hell. Um, it's called oh. Hell City of the Killing Dead. And very Italian, like it. Yeah, very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't read the first book, it's fine. There's really no connection other than like a few characters um, and the general idea of like being an Italian splatter zombie movie um, with yeah. a lot of references to like Polchi and Argento and uh, Umberto Lindsay and directors like that. Um, but yeah, that's being edited now. I'm, I'm hoping to have scraps out at the beginning of February and then hell at the beginning of March. Nice. Plenty so, coming out as always. Plenty coming out, and they're both they're both chunky, big books. Hell is hell is about three hundred pages, I think. Yeah, I saw you um, write something not too long ago about that you kind of wanted to try and make a few more kind of bigger, chunkier books. What yeah, kind of I you know decision? I've done so many novellas and short stories, and I love them. I think short stories are my favorite form of writing. Um, but I I really wanted to flesh out something a little bit bigger and. Uh, I'm currently working on an Invisible Man book, and mm-hmm. I'm only a quarter of the way through it, and it's over 300 pages. And wow. so okay. it's it's going to be a, a big Stephen King size book when it's when it's ready. Um, I'm not even going to guess what 
you know what month that'll come out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's been a conscious decision then that you're like right i need to make some bigger yeah novels well i had so much fun with a uh, low blasphemy and putting that out um mm. we did a reprint of it that i am just super proud of and happy with and i'm like i want to do more like that yeah i saw also that you were saying about um i think it was a comment with brian about maybe not doing another 10 day challenge anytime soon <laughs> no <laughs> i think i'm done with that <laughs> i love the 10 day challenge i'm happy i did it but i i did it so much and i'm just burned out um i'll never say never i might come back to it but i think i'm done yeah, I was like, let, sort of, let let the new splatterpunks do it. Let them have yeah. fun with it. <laughs> See, I was always like, no, I could never do that. And then I thought, yeah. I think I invited you to. A yeah, few you did. Yeah, and I was just like, one day I was like, I'm going to secretly try it, and that's how like everything's got to be level death style. I was like, right, I'm going to try and write this in ten days. And within yeah. about two days, I was going to do it for the channel, like just like a video of me trying to write a book in ten days. And about two days in, I was like, yeah, this isn't happening. I was, like, maybe I could do it in, I was like, maybe I could do it in two weeks. And I was like, maybe I could do it in a month. And it's like two months later, I was like, right, the book's ready now. Like, Which just, that's another thing that I did out of frustration and spite because um, I had like posted on, I think it was Twitter or something about like, oh, what if, what if I did a book in like 10 days? And like a publisher commented, was like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, fucking watch me. And that's how yeah. no one writes your free came to me. Yeah. Our producer is just spurring you on, motivating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was always, yeah, I was always kind of fascinated by him. But yeah, I, was, yeah, I can't do those. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you've been like, yeah, that's enough for a while now. <laughs> right. Well, and I did so many of them that I'm really proud of. I'm happy with uh, the Splattered Crimes one that mm. I did with uh, Otis Bateman and Brian G. Barry. Those were yeah. really fun and uh the pulp covers that christy made for them uh christy aldrich oh, made for them are just yeah. amazing yeah um the last 10 day challenge i did was eels and that was the splatter at sea group yeah. where a bunch of us got together and did like aquatic themed splatter stories and i i was so satisfied with eels even though and i mentioned in the afterward that was the hardest one for me for some reason i hit like a depression right when we started the 10 day challenge and it was uh like the first three days were wasted like i wrote so much in those first three days that was just totally useless and i had to like restart and it was it was rough going and i'm really happy with how it ended but i also just don't feel like putting myself through that again i don't think you've proven enough that you can do it yeah <laughs> I think you could take that one off. Yeah. <laughs> but again, anybody's welcome to try it. It's fun. It yeah, hurts, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You should just do an open challenge at some point. You'd be like, I'm not doing yeah. it, but this is all your thing. Here go. you go. Yeah. Ten days, I'll I'll help you. Well, generally is your um I'm always curious with this. What is your kind of process with writing? Do you have any kind of particular way you go about your day with it, or is it just when it hits you go for it um i make sure i do some every single day um i try my best not to take days off um every now it happens but like you know yesterday i spent the whole day in the movie theater and like 
wandering around town. I got home at like 11 o'clock and I wrote from 11 o'clock to midnight. Right. Um, so just like it's, <clears throat> I, I don't really have a routine of like, oh, I wake up at this time and I write for this period of time and then I do other chores and stuff. Um, but I do try and make sure that I get something done every day. Are you hard on yourself if you don't, or are you just like, right, oh yeah, no, I feel fine. miserable. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's not good for my mental health by doing that. <laughs> yeah, I had um, Thursday, I think it was. It was just like, I wasn't feeling it at all. And I, I'm like you, I try and write every single day. And like, I just spent, I must have spent like the first two, three hours of the day debating whether I can have a day off. It's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I've just wasted two hours trying to decide if i can have these two hours off like, yeah. it's weird what you put yourself through <laughs> yeah yeah but you know i think doing multiple projects as well kind of helps me because that way I, I don't have to deal with writer's block if i'm feeling blocked on one thing i can move over to the other yeah um, see i've i've never had that in books so far like in screenplays when i used to write scripts i always had I think I always had at least two on the go, two features, and then a TV pilot. And yeah. I'd make sure the two features were opposite. So if I was writing something pretty emotional, I'd be writing something ridiculously gory for the other one. Or the TV pilot would be something fun and stupid. And yeah, I never have ever got writer's block because I just shifted to the next thing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I always kind of, I had friends who would agonize over the same script for like, they wouldn't write for like six months. I'd just be like, God, no, I just put it to one side, write something else. And eventually my brain goes, Oh, I've got a solution for that other thing. And I'm like, awesome. Now I'll go back yeah. to it. No, it's like this, this big invisible man book I'm writing. Like that's kind of my fallback project when yeah. I'm doing short stuff. And then I hit a wall with it. I can just jump into the big one and enjoy working on that. So is that, um, kind of based on like the universal sort of invisible man or is this completely your own sort, sort of, of it's thing? it's like uh have you read richard layman's beware no no it's kind of like that he's a really fucking pervy invisible man <laughs> the way they should be there's there i've got a i've got a twist to this book that i'm not going to reveal yet until <laughs> it's finished no at least write um, the book first yeah. but oh my god like <laughs> it's I hope everybody enjoys it. I think it's going to be fun. It's it's a challenge too. Um, yeah. to, oh, I won't explain it, but it's <laughs> it's a challenge. You'll you'll see when the synopsis is out. Cool. Um, yeah, going back a little bit to um, no one writes for free and when that took off, did that? Curious again. Did that kind of spur you to try and write? kind of faster get more out like trying to capitalize on it or were you so. more worried about um quality at that point were you more like kind of nervous about making sure the next book was that much better or something or were you like no no just keep going the way i'm going well i i think because i didn't expect no one rides for free to take off the way it did i just sort of continued like the mm. way i was doing things and then all of a sudden this book that i'd written a little while back about a rapist taking a family hostage like blew up <laughs> i think i think it encouraged me to to try and be more gory with each book that i came out with and then i sort of hit a wall and was like i can i can write other stuff too because <laughs> um, yeah. i mean you're that's... quite 
Yeah, quite yeah. varied with it. I was talking to Lucas the other day. It's the same. Like you both cover a lot of genres within extreme. Yeah. Horror. Like well, magic you know, in Summer Never Ends is about as far from no one rides for free as you can get. Right. It's it's more of a challenge that way. I don't want to ever be the author that's only known for like one thing. And I think obviously most authors feel that way and they should. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if I just wrote no one writes for free over and over and over again, I know that my audience would leave me. They get tired of it. <laughs> After about a fourth or fifth one, I think they'd stick yeah. around for a while. <laughs> but we do have a second one coming out that I co-wrote with Otis Bateman. And I'm very excited for that. Um, I'll go ahead and announce that Brian G. Berry's Slaughterhouse Press is going to be publishing that. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, we're we're so fucking stoked, dude. That's It's way worse than the first. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen tiny, tiny snippets. Like, he sent me screenshots occasionally. Mm. So, fucked yeah. up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've told Otis so many times. I'm like, how are we going to get away with this? Yeah. Uh. How is that like collaboration then? That must be your first kind of proper collaboration, right? Yeah, I've I've found that I'm better at collaborations when I'm in person. Um, but that that was one I originally was gonna just write that book on my own. And it was gonna mm. be like a hundred and thirty page novella. Um, and then I went to the hospital. And after I got out, I messaged Otis and was like, hey, I'm not feeling great. I'm working on my health. Do you want to finish this for me? And he fucking did. <laughs> um, and then yeah, in 130 um, I, pages. Anymore. Yeah, it's it's over 300 pages. It's huge. But I've, I've been going through and adding my own stuff to his stuff. He's going through my first half and adding his stuff to it. So it all kind of like we both wrote very distinct halves to it, mm. but we're unifying those halves by adding our own input into them. So it feels nice. like one vision instead of two separate ones. Yeah. So you don't feel like when the book comes out, there'd be like that top point where you're like, okay, that's Judith's, that's Otis. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, you can always tell with Otis. <laughs> you can tell when he <laughs> jumps in. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I think it's it's working really well. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Has it kind of led you to want to do more collaborations? Yeah, I would love to do more collaborations, <clears throat> but I need to do them in person. I I can't really do the email collaborations like from a book's beginning to its end. You know, yeah. um, I'm doing another where it's like I wrote the first half and another author is coming in with the second half. And doing that is fine long distance, yeah. but um, there's a few authors I'm planning on collaborating with and I've talked to them and we're like, oh, we're going to rent a cabin in Texas and we're going <laughs> to write in person together because I, I can't like start a story. Surely, like if you've got the option, though, that's got to be the best way to do it, right? Just to meet has, up and yeah. just kind of hash it out and get as much of it either written or plotted as possible. Because like you're already censoring yourself when you're writing like messages and emails to people you're already thinking through these things putting them mm. out it's a lot more raw when you're in person um yeah like i recently went to a writing retreat with uh shane mckenzie aaron Beauregard, christopher triana rath james white and lucas mangum and shane and aaron have been working on something 
and you can even see Aaron did a TikTok live video on it. And when he and Shane just start talking about their book, it's incredible to watch because they're just pouring all these raw, honest thoughts out about their idea and their story and then filtering through them. And it's like that, you know, that is such an important part to the collaborative process that I think it's so hard to capture when you're doing it through a computer screen. Yeah, it's, it's going to be more organic that way, right? Because, yeah, yeah, you are thinking about what you're typing. You're editing what you're typing. You're not yeah. just kind of throwing it out there. Because sometimes you could throw out half an idea and the other person's going to pick up on that and come up with something even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that's going to be the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that's the only way I could do it. I think I would struggle, like you said, kind of backwards and forwards on email. I think it would just, yeah. it would lose something, right? It would feel like a correspondence rather than a collaboration. And some people can fucking do it. I can. <laughs> I just, I know I'm not that person. I've tried yeah. before, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, you know, every every writer is different in their own way. Um, so that's if, what if, I always try and tell people with stuff. It's like the speed you write at, the way you collaborate. Like it's all, yeah. you know, you could try it all, but make sure you. No, and I never want people to hear me talking about my process and going, "Oh, why don't I do it that way?" It's like yeah. it's your process. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there's certain people that I look at and I'm like, I can't do that, and I don't right. want to do that. Like, like as much as they get a lot of work out and they're ahead of me or whatever, it's like. I can't keep up that pace, so I don't want to do that to start with. Like it would just these fucking fuckers that do it in ten days. Jesus Christ! Exactly, <laughs> these people with three, four bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, yeah. And I, I feel like that's one reason why I'm, I'm doing bigger books because, like, last year I was just pumping out as many, many short novellas as I could. Do you know I how many books you put out last year? Writing. Sorry. Do you know how many books you put out last year? Did you even keep? Track? Oh, I don't even know. I think it was like, <laughs> I think it was like thirteen or something crazy like that. Oh, that's um, not too bad. The year yeah, before must have been bad. more. Like that must have been a slow year for you. Thirteen books. It might have been more, and I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to count. But um, but now I'm like, okay, I've done that. I've gotten my name out there. These short things are so fun, but I want to go a little slower, and so that's mm. why I'm doing bigger books this year. So with the um, bigger books, do you plan them more or are you still kind of just working through them? Do you kind of outline much? or I I kind of plan the beginning and the end. Um, I let the middle do what it needs to do so that I'm not right. like fuss over it. And then if the middle starts going in a different way, I can change what my plans are for the end. Right. So, so you're pretty flexible with it as you're writing it? Yeah, I'm flexible. It's, it's like a mix of being a plotter and being a pantser yeah yeah so I didn't really do for, the, for the shorter stuff. stuff there's no plan it's all pants <laughs> but, yeah. yeah yeah i think the only one the rot which i write i can pants a little bit i'll have a cool concept and see how it goes but any other book like every chapter is completely outlined nice <laughs> i'm like i'll allow it to go if something happens and that's cool i'll go with it but yeah i've never been the pants in type my script days were like 400 pages worth of notes before I'd done the first draft. Yeah. I well, I mean, moving over. from screenplays to writing books, you kind of have to plan everything out and you have to think according to a budget and you have to think according to, 
you know, the limitations of filmmaking, which I think mm. it's a really good exercise for people who want to write books to kind of think of them with a budget in mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had with um, Hack was originally a short script that I was going to direct. And like I spent most of writing that screenplay thinking, how the fuck am I going to do this gore? Like, this is crazy. And then yeah. when it got to a book form, I was like, well, I could go even more insane. Now. Yeah, you so could do whatever might you as want. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the little nine-year-old. He's getting it now. Like, <clears throat> we're originally but, um, I was thinking, oh, I could show a shadow of the kid getting something done to him. But now I'm like, no, I can go into great detail and just destroy him. <laughs> so writing the, the hell books, um, which are all based on like Italian splatter movies, I decide on the second one to write with a budget in mind. Yeah. So there's parts where you can tell they got really overzealous behind the camera and went super over the top. And then other parts where you can tell the budget ran out. <laughs> <laughs> People in a room talking for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really thought of a book in that terms. But yeah, like adapting the, my own scripts, which I've done two or three times into my own books. It's, it's an interesting process. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I thought it'd be easy, but it's my own work. But it's because it's a different prose for starters. Like the fact it's like past tense to present. It's just even that's hard enough. Or yeah. Around, oh sorry. my gosh, yeah. tenses. <laughs> yeah. But the first one I'd done, Abby, was a screenplay. It was a TV pilot. And literally most of the editing on the first draft was changing it from present tense to past tense. Because I was just kind of literally copying the scenes out almost. I was like, this is just horrific the second one was way easier to write because i wasn't adapting it like where the first one should have been way easier because the story was already done have you um yeah have you tried any screenplays yourself have you i have um so i had ambitions to be a kind of you know high class art house filmmaker when i was in Mm. fucking after graduation in high school um, so a friend and I wrote, uh, an elevated quote unquote possession movie and it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we, we were very inspired by that movie, uh, mother. And we, we wrote like half of a screenplay for a movie about like a woman that starts like giving birth, which uh, just can't stop. And it's like, which one mother? Sorry. Which mother? Sorry. Oh, the one with uh, Darren Aronofsky's one. Jennifer, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we wrote this like cheesy art house. Oh, we're so smart type script for a mother like horror movie. And yeah. Not good, <laughs> but that was you know. Book. I I've always wanted to write books. Books have always been important to me. Short stories have always been important to me. So even when I was doing screenplays, I was always kind of going back to to work on uh, the original version of Beast of Bergen or Summer Never. Yeah. Have you thought and, about adapting any of your screenplays to your books? You I think I'd let someone else adapt them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm just sort of disconnected from the film language anymore. And, mm. you know, as, as much as sometimes I like to write with a budget, I don't do it that often. And I know that I wouldn't do it with a script anymore because I just think of what I'd want to see instead of yeah. what people can afford, you know? 
Um, yeah, a lot of my later scripts when I was writing them, I was always thinking like, could I direct this? Like, could I make it? So I was writing it to a much smaller budget. And now like when I think about, oh, I want to turn them into a book at some point, I'm like, yeah, my mind goes wild with what I could do. <laughs> it's just a lot yeah. different. No, the imagination is limitless. Um, yeah. Film has fucking limits. It does, yeah. yeah. It has limits and it has too much censorship now. Like, yeah, books oh, could great. be a lot more crazy. We're, we're in such such a prudish phase for film that mm. really just bums me out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the film yet, but the um, that Emma Stone one, and Mark Ruffalo one, it's just come out. It's been like censored in the UK. Like, has it? Like, oh my god! Because it's it's like almost X-rated. Yeah, I just yeah, watched it the other day. Apparently, they've cut bits of it with Emma Stone and a child or something. And well, it's 2023. Like they can't be that much that you can cut anymore. Like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. yeah I mean, that um, scene is disturbing, but like, there's a point to it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Only like when you say stuff out loud, it sounds horrendous, but. Most of films, when things are cut, it's like, well, if you watch it in context, it's like there's a yeah. reason. Like, no, yeah, that's that bumps me out because I just watched that movie, uh, Four Things, and it's fantastic. It's yeah, one of the only like out. one of the only like modern Frankenstein type films that understands what Frankenstein is actually about. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's just come out over here, but. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear about it being cut. I was like, I don't realize we do that anymore. Like, yeah. surely there's no point nowadays with kind of the internet and worldwide Blu-rays or whatever. Like, you know, it's, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, not the same. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, very surprised to read about it. But yeah, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much anymore because, like I said, like you, I'm kind of like it's not a lot of modern stuff that I'm really that fussed about. But yeah, <laughs> I always feel bad when I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go see a new slasher movie. I bet I'll hate it, and then I end up hating. <laughs> yeah, I today someone recommended me um, a Korean film called Sleep, which I haven't seen it yet. I don't think it's a slasher, but that's meant to be really good. I've heard of that. Yeah, I want to watch yeah. that. Yeah, the actress is amazing. Yumi's really good in everything. So I'm kind of cool. hoping that's decent. Korea is still the place I go if I'm stuck for yeah, a movie. Yeah, they're still making fantastic <laughs> movies over there. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's been, I've had this discussion with those with a friend off camera, but it's like the reason is all the studios are run by filmmakers. So it's not, yeah. it's not a business thing. Like, obviously, they make business decisions, but the main studios are all run by actors, directors who have kind of come through and are now producing and giving other people the opportunities it's just a completely different system and yeah. their audience will watch anything they don't care what the genre is so <laughs> that helps why why don't we have that over here <laughs> that's what i've been saying for 20 years so I'm like, england's england's bigger than korea like come on yeah. we could do this we've got studios already but no we don't get it <laughs> no everything's like boring and all the characters are annoying. And it's like every slasher movie, they forget that in like the 80s, what made slasher movies so good is that most of them are hangout movies. Yeah. Like you're just spending time with people that you like, enjoying their shenanigans and having fun mm -hmm. with them. And then the killer comes through and changes the tone. 
but every slasher movie that comes out nowadays already sets like a grim and depressing tone and every character is like bickering and angry and annoyed at each other and it's like is this just what we are now <laughs> like, yeah. yeah see i um i wrote one many years back it's about 15 20 years ago i wrote one like this zombie slasher movie and like I loved the character so much. I didn't want to kill him by the end. I was like annoyed with myself that I had to kill him. And I'm like, that's what I want from modern films. Like I want yeah. to give a shit. I want to kill him. You should, I want to read that script or you I should adapt you that it script. to uh, a I've, book. I yeah. will adapt it at some point. I can send you the screenplay. I've got it somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'll probably have to change the name of it at some point now, but yeah. What well, would you mind sharing what its original name was? Uh, it was called Hitch's Farm, but I think I kind of used bits from Abby to kind of for that screenplay, so I'd have to change a bit. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Near Death's the same. Near Death, I used um, some stuff from the original screenplay I used in the Abby sequel, so then I had to change the main character's name and a bit of his personality. It was kind of like a another collage work almost. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's cool. I know that stuff's never gonna end up on screen, so I put it into the book and then I'm like, oh, but actually I want to adapt the script to the book, so now I've got to change little bits. But yeah. Yeah, my screenplays are always wild. Like the one that kind of got a bit of notice was one called Pimps versus Ninjas. Like so that's I great. Actually, yeah, I was like that was the sort of stuff I wrote, so I was never going to get anything made. I was all like grindhouse exploitation stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else we can chat about bookwise now while I've got you here. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what was I thinking about? Earlier? Yeah. Um, so, Summer Never Ends, uh, which is my favorite of yours. Um, Thank you. <laughs> That kind of big sort of change in the middle, was that something you kind of had in mind straight away when you came up to the book? Or well, did you just one, kind of reach a point where you're like, okay, now now I'm ready to... Yeah, that kind one of was kind of, kind of what I was just talking about with Slashers. I wanted it to be a hangout book. And I wanted mm -hmm. you to really enjoy just spending time with the um, three main boys at the camp and yeah. have fun with them and get to know who they are and enjoy them. And then I wanted the horror to come in and just put a stop to all the fun. Um, so yeah, that one, I had, I had planned that one out more than I usually did with my books. And uh, yeah, I knew it would head that direction, but I, I kept putting it off a little bit just because I, I was having fun with those, those characters and didn't want them to die yet. Do you think there's um do you think that is a kind of a better approach or do you think it's kind of each to their own when it comes to kind of giving that space just to know the characters rather than diving right in? I, I think it's better. Um, I'm, and I've done a few books that are just diving right in and I, I enjoy those books and I had fun with them. Um, but I think doing something like Summer Never Ends or Beast of Burden, where you get to learn who the characters are, makes the horror aspect more effective. If you want to just do gross out, then it almost doesn't matter. Just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there's kind of a, 
a sideshow aspect to doing gross out, which I really love. I'm, I'm a huge fan of like William Castle and old like carnival tricks and gimmicks and things like that. And I think gimmicks yeah. are fun and you can be super creative with them. Uh, but if you actually want to like scare people, then they should know who these characters are before they see them in a guillotine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'd agree. Do you think that comes from, um, kind of just having written a bit more that you've started thought that way or is it kind of a reading thing where you're kind of it's been a reading thing because like you know i i think of uh no one writes for free even though there's some important stuff for me that's in that book i play with gimmicks in it it's it's a sideshow i'm like Mm. look at this disgusting thing isn't it gross with that book (laughs) um but i look back on like repugnant which was one of my first books and that one's you know, it's disgusting and gross and over the top, but there's a lot more focus on getting to know uh, the main character and final girl who's a zombie that comes back from the dead to kill her slasher. <laughs> and even even though that's a super gross book, I, I feel like that one has a lot more focus on building up those characters before getting into the, the really nitty gritty stuff. And again, I want to emphasize, I love both. I think both sides of this coin are fun and that you can be creative doing both of them. Um, I've, I've said if, if you have like something visually that you want to show people, it doesn't always have to have a plot, but if you have a great plot that you want to tell, then, you know, you should be able to tell that freely without feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm being handicapped by reality Mm. or like by, Mm. you know, logic, you know, I'm trying to make this as realistic as possible. As long as people care about the characters, then you can kind of get away with dream logic or nightmare visions, things like that. I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but I, I, I think from reading, I've, I've experienced both sides of this and I love both of them and I love writing them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's a place for both. Oh, it's what you're in the mood for, right? Like sometimes I just want to pick up a book and for it to be page one, fucking blood over the page, just, just keep right. going. And then other times I'm like, yeah, I want to sit there and read a three, 400 page book and get to know these people and care and be worried about them. And then afterwards yeah. I might want to do that again. And then I might be like, right, let's go back to someone's head getting decapitated in the opening chapter. And, and there are folks who are like, oh, it's cheap to just go for the gross out. I'm like, no, that mm. takes as much creativity as going for emotions does. I think it's you know? harder. I yeah. honestly do. Like when I sit down to write the kind of ensuring your place in hell stuff, like at first I'm like, oh, I can have a lot of fun here. I can write whatever I want, make it disgusting. But then I'm like, oh, but now I've got to make it more disgusting in the last one. Like I've got a topic. Yeah. Like, I can't just tell a really good character piece. Like I've got to be absolutely fucking vile but i went all in last time like i think people that can do that gross out constantly like i mean there's a big talent in doing that i mean that's very hard yeah it's and i think when i was doing all the really short stuff that's what i was doing was just trying to one up my last gross out <laughs> and again <laughs> it was so fun oh my god but like now i want to try something different and go a little bit more character focused but i'm still like doing that high impact gore and splatter mm. gross out stuff i'm i'm just you know with like the the invisible man book i'm bracketing it with you know more story and more plot 
but then I have something like hell, which is all visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you look at any of those novellas and you're like, man, I wish I put another hundred pages into those or are you like, no, they've done their job. They're done. Honestly, not really. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with those novellas and how they turned out. I had so much fun writing them. Um, I think the, the only one that I'm, I'm planning on doing some big changes to is Chainsaw Hooker, um, which has been out of print for a little while. Right. And we're, we're going to bring it back, but I, I kind of want to go through and add some stuff to it and make it worth reprinting just beyond, oh, it's back in print, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what was it about that one? I think that was, that was the second one of yours I read. I really enjoyed that one. That was, oh, thank you. That makes yeah. me happy to hear. <laughs> Just I, for some was... reason, I'm I'm my harshest critic on Chainsaw Hooker. I don't know why, yeah. <laughs> like, but I I want to add some extra stuff to that. But like I look back on on the other stuff and I'm like I'm really happy with it. I'm satisfied. Like I love doing gross outs. I love doing over the top extreme splatter punk. Mm -hmm. um, but I also just don't want to only do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Do you ever um, do you ever reread any of your books? No. No. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I'm writing um, The Rot 2 at the moment, and I still haven't even reread the first one. It's been like a year yeah. since I wrote the first one. I just, oh. like, I can't, I just don't, like, I'll flick through for the information I need, but yeah, I've yeah. never been able to sit there and read my own stuff again. Like, I, it was fun because, like, um, we did audiobooks for No One Writes for Free and Beast of Burden. Hmm. And I, I guess I reread those two through that by sitting down and listening to someone else read them. Yeah, but that's a different and, experience, though, isn't it? Oh, it was such a different experience. And we, Joe Hempel was in charge of those, and he got the best narrators for both of those. Um, and that, that, that made um, it feel almost, I kind of forgot that I had written those books <laughs> yeah. listening to the audio. Yeah, I'm looking in, kind of considering trying to get some audio books done, but. Yeah, oh, it's I super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of these, I feel almost hypocritical about it because it's not my thing. I don't listen to audiobooks. I, I never have. I can't take in the story as well. Like, it just doesn't work for me. But at the same time, I'm like, well, other people like them. So, you know, if I want to do them, I don't feel too bad about them. Well, that's that's kind of how I feel about ebooks. I can't really read ebooks. I don't like ebooks, but other people love them. So yeah, exactly. So I do yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just got to make sure you format them properly, and that because it's yeah, just yeah, a pain. <laughs> uh, oh, there's something else on my mind. I'm trying to think what it was now. It's completely gone. Yeah, no. <laughs> um yeah just for um anyone who's kind of um starting off reading your work where would you um what direction would you point them in what would you want them to read first what's the most judith sonnet book i mean no one writes for free just because it's the most popular and it kind of makes or breaks you as a reader of like whether <laughs> you want to continue with my books or not <laughs> um, i think that one's the litmus test yeah, it's like if you can't if you can't hang out with No One Rides for Free, you might not like any of the other books ever. <laughs> um, but again, my my personal favorite is Beast of Vernon. I'm really fucking proud of that book. I'm really happy with it. Um, and the audiobook is fantastic. It's narrated by Brad Grusnick. And mm -hmm. he you know, he's not a monotone reader. Every single character 
has their own unique voice. He did a great job with it. Nice. Um, if you want kind of a sampler plate of my work, um, Psychward Blues is a good place to start because that's got extreme stories. It's got gross outs. It's got more traditional splatter punk, and it's got some quiet work in it. Uh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's um, your your main story was at the back, wasn't it? Of that one, is that the one where? Recycles Blues was that the last story in it? Yeah, it's like the main event of that one. There's like uh I think seven different short stories and then Psychord Blues. Is that normal to put it at the back? I've not really No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I I did it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Were you just and like I, build it up yeah. to it or um, what was the thinking for that? So my thing was just I got them out of the hospital and I had a lot of short stories that I wanted out there. And yeah. um, I was sort of like, well, I could release Psychoid Blues on its own just as a novella, or I could release it with a bunch of short stories and just kind of assure people that I'm still here. I'm still telling yeah. short, short stories. I'm still alive. So, still got loads of stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and especially after being gone for, for such a scary period of time and people not knowing where I was or, you know, what I would be doing when I came back, I thought it would be like reassuring to come back with a lot instead of just, you know, one yeah. story. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, basically people are going to start with your work then you reckon no one minds are free and least a burden. Yeah. That. Those I think are the best places to start. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, thank you very much for, Coming along for this interview. It's been lovely getting Thank to you. talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for letting me ramble and rant. Yeah, no, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. I'm sure we could do one just about film at some point. So. Oh, absolutely. I've got so many fucking opinions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's all I have on film at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Talk to you Thank later. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Bye.